had two children within the first three years. And I often wondered, did we not spend enough time alone Mm. as a couple? Mm. Did we not learn and grow together? But I think as my story unfolds, it probably wouldn't have mattered. Take a girl and a guy, and they fall madly in love and form a family. Sprinkle in some counseling degrees and a doctorate, a dream of transforming relationships as we know it. And 20 years later, we give you power couple Dr. Ray and Jean Ketkodian. And this is their podcast, Couples Synergy. Welcome back to another episode of Couples Synergy with Dr. Ray and Jean. I'm Dr. Ray. And I'm Jean. And this is our podcast about love, marriage, and relationships. Check us out online at couplesynergy.com. And be sure to subscribe to our podcast or send us any suggestions on topics you'd like to hear more about. And now on to Couples Synergy, an in-depth look at love, marriage, and relationships, where we bring you our experiences with working with thousands of couples for over 15 years. You know, every day we get to hear intimate details about a couple's celebrations, disappointments, and everyday challenges. We've often wished these stories were shared because we know we are more similar than different. And so we've created not only an avenue where you can hear about people's intimate lives, but an atmosphere where people come over to our home pub, pour a drink, and share their stories. People like today's guest, Maureen, welcome to the podcast. Really uh, glad to have you with us. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. And you're going to have to bear with us because Jean and I are coming off of a cold here. Yeah. And, you know, we're going to sound a little raspy at times. You might hear us clear our throats for a couple times here and there. But, you know, we want to definitely get into your story, which your story is actually a very interesting one. And it is going to be something that I think a lot of people out there can be helped with. Yeah. Thank you very much for sharing this. I know it's not an easy story to share. Before we get into that, if you can tell us a little bit about yourself, how old are you? What do you, what do, you do for a living? Well, I'm a retired educator and I work part-time. I belong to several organizations and I'm very happy right now. That's cool. That's awesome. So can you tell us a story about how your relationship started? I met my ex-husband through my former roommate and her family had moved to next to his family And so she kept telling me about this guy over and over and over again. And finally, she just set up a blind meeting at her house. And he immediately was very interested in me. And my friend had just had a new baby and I was totally immersed in the baby. I didn't even really notice him. But after that, he did call. We went out. We spoke on the phone continuously. We hit it off right away. How old were you? I was 30. 30 years old. Okay. Mm-hmm. And how old was he? He was 25. And what was it about him that you fell in love with? He was just very kind. He was very genuine. He was very active. He enjoyed life. We just had a lot of fun together. We connected. We always seemed to agree on things. You wanted the same things out of life? Absolutely. He wanted to get married as soon as possible. He wanted a big family because he had lost his only sibling. And I came from a big family. So I was like, well, I've been down that road. You know, I'm 
I said, whatever is presented in our life, whatever God gives us, I would be happy with. So within two years, we got engaged. Did he ask you in a special way? Oh, yeah. He created this, you know, wonderful scene. He had, you know, picked up the ring and he found a perfect song that he wanted to ask me to marry him. He put the ring in the car. I got in for some date and all of a sudden he puts on this song and then, you know, this music's playing and he opens the little console and here's this sparkly ring and it was very lovely. He asked me to marry him. And then my dear neighbors next door, this old German couple who I was very close to, we immediately went over there. Then <laughs> <laughs> We had two bottles of champagne celebrating with them. So it it was lovely. And then we went to my family and his family the next day. And his dad's first question was, who gets the dog? <laughs> because they had a family dog and they uh-huh. thought he might take the dog. Because he was living with his parents still. He was still living with his parents. So you guys dated for two years before you got engaged? We probably got engaged maybe 18 months after. And then we're married within two years. And then we're married right away. And we decided because I was older that we'd probably have children right away. And did you? Sure did. Got married (laughs) in November and had my son in... July. So got pregnant on the honeymoon <laughs> and then got pregnant with my daughter about three months after he was born. So wow. we had... Well, you guys were efficient. We <laughs> were efficient. We were married and had two children within the first three years. And I often wondered, did we not spend enough time alone mm-hmm. as a couple? Did we not learn and grow together? But I think as my story unfolds, it probably wouldn't have mattered Mm. at this point. I don't know. But so how was that adjustment to being, you know, you're already in your 30s as a single person Mm -hmm. to being married with two children within a couple of years? You know, I didn't think it was bad, Mm -hmm. but I think I've come to see that it was probably more stressful than I thought because we both worked full time. You know, he would drop the kids off at daycare. I would pick them up because I could get home at a very reasonable hour being a educator. And then like when they were about two and three, he decides one day he's going to quit work Mm. and he wants to become an educator. So. No, he wasn't one. Before that? No. Okay. He was not. And this wasn't a decision you guys made together? Well, we had talked about it, but he woke up one Thursday morning and said, I'm not going to work. I assumed he was sick. And then he said, no, I'm just not going back to work. I want to go to school. How did you respond to that? I was shocked and I walked into the bedroom and I went, oh my God, couldn't he have saved this for the weekend? (laughs) And then I thought well, I think this is supposed to be where I'm supposed to be, a supportive wife. Mm. So I turned around, I went back into the kitchen, I said, okay, I have to go to work. We'll talk about it later. And what happened after that? 
Well, fortunately, we had kind of discussed this and looked into it. Eventually, he did quit his job. He, We took out a home equity loan to pay because we had already bought our first house to pay for his schooling because it was cheaper to pay all up front. Mm-hmm. So we did that. So for the next two years, he went to school in the evenings and I worked during the day. I felt very stressed during that time yeah. because I felt that I had all the responsibilities mm-hmm. on my shoulders, mm-hmm. like working, insurance for the kids. And then one day he said, <laughs> during this time, what do you think about a third? I'm like, a third child? I said, I, I can't. And I was glad I found my voice. I said, I can't do this. I said, I'm the only one working. I said, I was lucky to have two easy pregnancies at my age, and we have two great kids. I said, I don't think, what if something happened Mm -hmm. and I had to stay home? I I didn't, I said, no, I can't do this. Yeah, that would have been a lot of pressure at that time. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah, because we survived you going for your doctorate. Yeah, that was not like fun. Raising two kids, running a company, you having to do internships. And mm-hmm. It's a very stressful time, even if, you know, you are on board. <laughs> right, know? right. It, it's a lot for, for both people. Mm-hmm. So then eventually he finishes school. And he got a job and things seemed to be going right along. We had, as I said, we had two beautiful children, a boy and a girl. We bought another house in a very desirable neighborhood, and and we got along so well. We never really argued. We always, we were great planners mm-hmm. and doers, and so we would make a plan, and then we would do it. And as the kids got older, as you know, kids' schedules get extremely busy, and you get involved in their schedules. And so in the beginning, we were totally in sync all the time, always together, and then as the kids got older, we'd have to split to go to one child's activities and the other person's activities. One thing that was difficult, and even my daughter brought up today, because her father is a teacher in the district that they grew up in, every time we had any kind of district function, and this went all through grammar school, and all through high school. And we'd go to the event, and all his former students and parents would stop him and talk to him. And so the limelight was at him. Mm. I ended up leaving and going. I mean, he was always very gracious and introduced me as his wife and whatnot. But I kept trying to, like, tug at his sleeve, like... You know, the kids' event starts in, you know, five minutes. I would just leave and go in there. Mm. And so she mentioned that today. She said, I just wish we could go places where it wasn't always about him. Still. Yeah. Yeah. So she felt like the spotlight wasn't on her where it should have been. Exactly. Right. And Mm. the same with my son. Mm. And I felt the same thing, but at that time I didn't know how to say it. Yeah. What what does that mean to you today? That these events became all about him. Mm-hmm. And he relished in the limelight. Relished. Yeah. And still does. Mm-hmm. 
So you guys kind of have this functional working relationship. You're raising kids. You're... Friendship too. Sounds mm-hmm. like. You guys, oh yeah, we yeah. were best friends. Yeah. yeah. Did you did you guys go travel together without the kids? Not much because in the beginning we didn't really have anybody to watch the kids, mm-hmm. and you know raising two kids was not inexpensive. So we. Right. We took local trips, like we were in Wisconsin a lot. Uh, Good friends of ours had a summer home in Michigan. I mean, it was a year-round home. We went up there a lot, but Mm -hmm. we always took the kids. Yeah, always took the kids. Looking back, do you think that is any part of, you know, a lot of couples today, they they do the same thing and they include the kids a lot, but then the, the marriage, that primary relationship, there's no space for it. And I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. I think that was a huge mistake. Mm-hmm. But again, as the story unfolds, I don't know if that would have changed things. Correct. Yeah. It might have been awesome at the time. Mm-hmm. But the point we're at today, I don't know if it would have made a difference. So how did you get to this point? What What are some of the things that led up to the unfolding of the story? Well, kids went away to college. Mm-hmm. They went to the same school. And I kept thinking, oh, this is what everybody says. Oh, it's brand new life for the two of you. You can do anything you want, go anywhere you want, you know. She became empty nesters. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And I kept waiting for that to happen. And then not too long after they had gone to school, his mother died. And he was extremely close to his mother. And all of a sudden, he just switched it was like a switch went off. He was almost a completely different person. Mm. He became very depressed. He became lethargic. He would just sit on the couch and, you know, watch TV. I'd, I'd ask, hey, do you want to go to a movie? Do you want to go to this restaurant? Do you want to go here with this couple or whatnot? And he, his answer always was, well, whatever you want to do. I never felt during that time that it was anything shared anymore. Mm-hmm. I felt a complete distance growing between the two of us. And, and his mom had passed, so it makes sense that you would think that was... Right. That, that was a catalyst or yeah. something. Yeah, Exactly. And then one Thanksgiving week, the kids came home from school. This was after a couple of years. And he... How, lo- how long were you married at this point? Oh, probably 20 years. Okay. Yeah, probably 20 years, 21 years. And finally, my friends, couple friends, stopped asking. Mm. One Thanksgiving week, when the kids came home from school, my son said to me, Mom, there is something so wrong here. I said, what do you mean? He said, what is going on? Dad just sits on the couch. I said, honey, I don't know. I don't know if he's angry about me, I don't know if he wants a new job. I don't know if he, you know, I don't know if it's I'm not doing what I should be doing. And he said, stop right there, mom. I said, what do you mean? He said, mom, this has absolutely nothing to do with you. So, so he could see that. He could see that. He said, But mom, that's what you were questioning is what you should have been doing different. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Of course. I always kept thinking, you know, what could I do to make things better? Mm-hmm. And he said, Mom, this has nothing to do with you. You you are fine. He said, but I'm telling you right now, 
if this is still going on at Christmas, I'm not coming home. Wow. And I never will come home again. Oh. Right. That's how intense this energy must have been. And... And uh, you would ask him? So I said, I said, I've been very concerned about your father. I feel the death of your, of grandma was mm-hmm. a catalyst in all this. He said, Mom, I agree. Something is terribly wrong. He seems very depressed. I said, okay. If it came to the point this week while you're home, would you want to have an intervention with dad? He said, absolutely. Hmm. Now, my son and I are extremely close, have, always have been. So about two days later, my daughter, who I'm very close to as well, but she's really tight with her father. Mm-hmm. She brought something up. Mom, what's going on with dad? Why is he so different? And I thought, wow. If she says something against him, this has to be so much bigger than what I can see. Mm -hmm. So I asked her the same. If it came to it, Tony mentioned to me, we would have an intervention. Would you be on board? And she said, absolutely. So at this point, you're just really concerned about him. So now we're all three of us Mm -hmm. concerned and all three of us feel it happened the turning point was his, his mother's mother passing. Yeah. Yes. And and how how much distance between his mom passing and let's do an intervention? Maybe a year. Okay. Maybe less than a year. She passed in uh, the end of December. So, but yeah, almost a, almost year. a year. It was in November. Okay. So I thought about it. He was out at the time. I contacted my son, who was with his friends. I said, hey, she's willing to have an intervention with dad. Are you willing to give up your time with your friends? He said, absolutely, I'll be home shortly. So I called my ex-husband and said, hey, you know, the kids have come to me and they feel something's seriously wrong here and they would like to have a discussion with us. Are you willing to do this? And he said, yes. I said, okay. He said, well, I'm on my way. And then he called me from the car on his way home. And he said, I just want you to know I love you. I said, well, of course. And I asked him, I said, is this a conversation you and I need to have by ourselves? And he said, no. I said, you do realize the kids are going to be there. I said, Again, do we need to have this conversation by ourselves? Or do you mind if it's a family meeting? And he he didn't really answer. He just kept saying, I love you, and I'll be home shortly. So he, he knew. He knew walking in. He knew walking in what, what was going to happen. Right. So we were, we all met, sat down. And it was interesting. I was the only one who taught Mm. the entire time. And I can understand why the kids wouldn't talk. They were just like sitting there sort of Mm shell-shocked, like what's going to happen? So I just kept asking questions. I said, you know, the kids and I have noticed you are not yourself It all seemed to change drastically when your mother passed away. 
and we're concerned about you. Are you depressed? And he shake his head no. All he did was shake his head yes or no throughout this whole intervention. And so, so he was silent. You're the one that's t- the only one talking. Exactly. And, and sort of guessing wow. at like what's yes. wrong. Right. So I, I said, are you depressed? He shook his head no. I said, is there another woman? He shook his head no. I said, do you hate your job? Because he was very not happy with his job at the time. And he said no. I said, do you want a new job? He kept shaking his head no. Do you want a, do you want to move? Do you feel like expenses are getting too much? Do you want to downsize? I just asked question after question after question. And the kids are just looking at me like, I don't know what to say. And he kept shaking his head no, saying nothing the whole time. And then after about a half hour of this one-way conversation, I got kind of like, I can't do this on my own. Frustrated and yeah. Extremely frustrated. So I flippantly said, I mean, all the other questions I had thought about long and hard, is there another woman? Is there, you know, do you want not want to be married anymore? On and on and on. And then finally, I just said flippantly, what's the matter? Are you gay? And he shook his head, yes. You asked a flippant. It was flippant question because I didn't know what else to ask. And I don't know why that came out. And he shook his head, yes. And my children were there and their reactions were as was mine total utter shock my son who was sitting next to him completely moved his space moved away from his oh, father yes moved yeah. away from his father my daughter was just she was holding his she was sitting on the floor and she kept holding him and no one said a word was he emotional he was he was crying and i and the three of us were so shocked i mean i did not know what to say and so my daughter in her wisdom said i know this is a really awkward time but i want you to know you'll always be my father and I just said, oh, what do you mean? How does this happen? I, I don't understand. And the only response we all got was he stood up very adamantly and said, I don't want any more responsibility. And like I carte blanche. Yeah, nothing mm-hmm. more. And I mean, I felt so bad that he was saying this, not for me, but. My two children were there. I'm like, how, how does somebody say this, any of this, in front of their children? And that was our intervention. So what did he mean by that? He didn't want any more responsibility, like to take on anybody else's feelings or any of the ramifications for, you know, coming out. I I think it had nothing to do with coming out. I think it had everything to do with he had some responsibilities with his mother because she couldn't drive. So he often drove her from the time he was a teenager to different things. 
And I think once he felt he was released from that responsibility, I think he, he didn't want any ties to anything, not to a house, not to a marriage. At that point, we all felt like he was abandoning the kids too. He mm-hmm. just wanted nothing. He wanted to be a different person, a different person, me, myself, and I, and I want to come and go as I want. I want to spend the money the way I want to. I don't want to have to think about how much is going to college and how much is going here. And I think he just wanted no responsibility, Mm -hmm. which was very foreign to me because I feel that every part of your life, you're responsible. Mm -hmm. Well, it sounds like the majority of your marriage, you know, wasn't that way at all. The two of you made decisions together. You said that, you know, you were kind of really strong partners. And in making big decisions like that, you guys were very precise and calculated in what right. you did. Exactly. So for him to say this and kind of be in this place, it was like a completely different person, completely different perspective on life. Right. And the three of us looked at him like, who is this person? You know, mm-hmm. where did he come from? And so that just validated my feelings that, my God, he is seriously depressed. Mm -hmm. There is seriously something wrong with him. So you didn't think that he was serious or believed that he was gay? He just was, it was part of the depression that was going on at that time? That's kind of what I thought. And then the kids, oh my God, they couldn't wait to go back to school. And I don't blame them. Because after that, you know, the house was just like deathly silent Mm -hmm. or tears or... Did you guys talk much during that time? Well, as soon as they went back to school, we talk, I'm like, hey, what is going on here? And he, I said, what do you mean? Where does this come from? And he kept saying, well, I sometimes find myself being attracted to good-looking men. And I'm like, if I see women that are pretty... Women don't hesitate to say, oh, isn't she pretty? She's, you know, whatever. So I just kept trying to rationalize in my own head that maybe you're confusing because he wasn't giving me much to go on. Mm -hmm. So that was Wednesday before Thanksgiving. So needless to say, it was not a joyous Thanksgiving. <laughs> and Monday, when I got to work, I called the first person I called was the financial planner and left her a message and saying, I need to come in and see you. Things are really crazy. And so she took me right away and she said, what's up? And I said, I don't know. Something's going on. I don't know if we're going to be together very long. And I need to know, am I going to be okay? I said, I also know I need a therapist and I have no idea where to go Mm -hmm. or where to turn to. And she immediately told me I'd be okay financially. And she also had some therapists in mind, which were you. And so that was my next phone call. I called the lighthouse immediately and I just said, I need to talk to somebody. And so I hooked up with another therapist in your profession. And then... Did did your husband join you as well or was he... 
Well, when I came home that day, I told him what I had done. Mm -hmm. I didn't tell him I called the financial planner. I thought, I feel like I need to start figuring out my life. I know I need therapy. So I said, I made a call to some therapists not too far from here. I said, I've already made an appointment. And I said, I think it would be a good idea if you did too. And I think because everything was so fresh and he did not know how to handle things, he just called. Okay. And he, so we were both seeing individual therapists. Different people at our practice. Different people mm -hmm. at your practice. Um, and I kept saying to my therapist, and she was very patient and she was very kind. She kept saying, you know, we need to work on you. What do you see and what do you want? And basically, who are you and where do you want to go from here? And mm -hmm. I said, you don't understand. I said, I'm fine. <laughs> I'm absolutely fine. I've been married for almost, I think it was 23 years at the time. I said, we've been married for 23 years. I said, we've had the storybook, you know, romance. We've got the house in the suburbs with the two kids and everything's going along. His mother dies and he's crazy. And so she kept trying to we go around. And I'm like, no, it's not me. Tell me how I can help him get through this. And I assumed he might have been talking to similar things with his therapist. I, I didn't really know. And so then his therapist changed practices because he moved. Mm -hmm. And so he didn't look for another one in the practice. And I thought, this is his easy way out. He doesn't want to do this. So you thought you guys were working on the marriage at the time? I did. Okay. I did. But once I realized, I kept saying, come on, come on, you have to go back. Let's figure this out. Let's find out if it's really what you're thinking. Is there something wrong with me, you, the marriage? Let's figure out. How, how much time has passed Well, from the time you found out until? Well, until it was Thanksgiving, right? That was when yeah, you found out. So it was probably another nine, ten months. Okay. My daughter was moving. Uh, she had graduated and she was going to take a job away mm -hmm. where she went to school. So meanwhile, we had a very, you know, we were always very cordial to one another. We were always friendly to one another. We just, we tried talking about things, but didn't really get anywhere. And I just said, you know, I've noticed at the lighthouse, these flyers on couple synergy. I said, I really think we should do this. And I, I had to prod him for a couple months before he would do it. And I kept asking my therapist, I said, please, I really think we need to do this because we need to know if we can move forward or if we have to come to a dissolution. Mm -hmm. And so she explained to me, she said, Maureen, well, you can't do both of us. And I said, okay, I need to put all the time and effort and energy into 
this marriage? We have to find out an answer together. So I got it. So I told him on our drive back from moving my daughter, I said, oh, we have our first appointment with Jean and Ray on, you know, in a week. And he's like, what? What are you talking about? I said, we have discussed this over and over. And you said, yes, we would do this. And I said, I think this is going to bring us the answers that we need as a couple. He didn't think it was going to happen. Well, most men don't love going to therapy. What? <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> At least that's what I find with, you know, mm -hmm. I don't know. You may find differently. I don't. Okay. <laughs> so we went and the very first thing you guys had asked was, why are you here? Mm -hmm. And I realized after several sessions, because I brought this up to Jean, I always seem to answer the question. Whatever question either one of you posed, mm -hmm. I seem to answer the questions first. And then I realized he was modeling similar answers to whatever I said. He was just reacting to you. So I said to Jean one time, please direct the questions to him. I said, I don't want to be parroted all the time. I mean, he changed the words and whatnot, but it was... Very parallel mm -hmm. to what I had said or was thinking. And he was just saying what he thought he was supposed to say. Maybe. I yeah. don't know. Or maybe he didn't want to be completely honest. Mm -hmm. But your first question was, why are you here? And I said, we feel that we have some issues in our marriage and we need we're here to find out if we can make it or if we have to dissolve the marriage. Mm -hmm. And so that's where the couple synergy started. What was your the nature of intimacy in your relationship? What was that like? I, I should say, we should probably back up. Like prior to kids. finding out and Thanksgiving, I guess. Like the kids leaving for college. Right, right. Prior to that and then after finding out after Thanksgiving, did anything change? Well, when we first got married, we had a very active sex life, very active, very fun. We were open to, you know, all kinds of things and we enjoyed each other very much. And I think as the kids got older and we were tied into, we spent, our focus became the kids instead of on the marriage. And so things became a little less active. And then after the whole intervention, mm -hmm. there was nothing. But before the intervention, you didn't, you wouldn't say you had a sexless marriage. No. Okay. No. I mean, it wasn't as often as it mm -hmm. had been in the past, but it was. But you guys were still intimate. Right. Yeah. And during the whole, we were, when we would talk and try and figure out what was going on, we were very close and we were intimate and, you know, hugging, holding hands, crying together. Because you were still best friends. Yeah. How did you come to the, the breaking point? You know, with the couple synergy, we would meet all four of us together and then three sessions apart and then back together again. So 
during his sessions with Ray, which, you know, we never really discussed until we came back as a group. I think they may have been discussing together that he may be gay and where he should take this or what he should do and whatnot. And then I remember at one meeting, you guys focused on what we wanted for each other. And we both agreed we all wanted each other to be happy. And together or apart individually, we we want each other to be happy. So then the question came up as to whether or not he was gay. And it was resolved that he wouldn't know unless he experienced it. So he had had no experience with a man up until that point? Well, to my knowledge. Okay. And he had always been honest with me, but I, as far as I know, mm-hmm. he was still honest at that point. So Ray brought up the idea of a hall pass. And I'm like, what is that? <laughs> <laughs> and you may want to talk about that. Well, I think a lot of people out there, they know about the movie Hall Pass, and mm-hmm. I think that's a pretty common term, but it, it would be kind of like this this pause in the relationship so that, you know, specifically in this case, you know, a, a person who was questioning whether they were gay, you know, that would, you know, give them time to explore that and find out truly within themselves if, if that is the case. So I think it was like a 30-day window right? where he could pursue that. Are we saying that correctly? I think so. Okay. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. it was, and at first I was very opposed to the idea because mm-hmm. I felt, you know, that we are married and I bought into the whole until death do us part. But as our sessions continued, we realized that we weren't moving forward. Mm-hmm. I think you both probably realized after meeting us, that this is not going to end up, you know, as a relationship together. But we had to work through all that. So I eventually gave him the hall pass. Mm -hmm. That was sort of like, I can't keep going this way. And there's no other way to go. Exactly. So you're like, okay, let's let's see what this really is. Right. Mm -hmm. How how was that time for you? Did he move out during that time? I don't remember. Oh, he did for a few days mm-hmm. until he got in. Somebody attacked him where he had moved out to, so he came back home. Mm-hmm. And you guys said, "Why don't he live in the basement and I, you know, stay upstairs?" So we just basically we were we didn't really talk much. Just giving each other space, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Right. It came down to he didn't want to spend the money. Right. To, right. It's it's all about money in his world, I've learned uh, painfully. but And that hurt me because I felt like he didn't feel that our relationship was worth the money it would take for him to move out. So at one of our group sessions, one of you brought up, how are things progressing in meeting gay people. And he stood up and 
raised his voice and said, I'm gay. And I don't know if he said, I love it or I'm proud. And I, then he was shouting and I was just sitting there like shocked because it wasn't a conversation. It was more like a declaration, but not done in a kind way. Mm -hmm. And that was it. What was it like for you? I mean, this is a very confusing time. And I imagine that at that time you were going through just kind of a plethora of emotions. Well, thank God I had Gene. But the other thing was, I felt so alone. I did not know a single person hmm. who ever said their spouse was gay. I mean, I had never heard of it. And so I felt extremely alone. I was thrilled I had my job because being an educator, once you're inside the building, you cannot think about yourself at all which I was thrilled because I didn't really want to think about it. Helped you to distract yourself. Exactly. Can you read some of the passages that you brought with in your journal? Sure. And this is part of the processing of that time. Right. Right after you found out. Right after I found out. Of course, I was extremely angry, but I always thought I was well put together and everything was in control which, Jean, you reminded me of <laughs> very often. It's okay to fall apart. Yeah. It's Life is messy. It's okay not to be in control right now mm-hmm. because there's no way you can be in control right now. Yeah. Because this news was so... My biggest worry was my children. Mm-hmm. So this time frame is about a year and a few months after you've originally found out. And yeah, about a year okay. after I found out and realized that okay, once he made that proclamation in your office, I was done. Mm-hmm. I was like if you're giving me up for men, so be it. I am done. I want the divorce as quick as possible. I want to be done with this. And in the back of my head, I really wanted, and I thought this for a long time, I wanted to erase all of those years of my life, except the kids. Yeah. That's the only thing I wanted. Because it was too painful or you were too angry? Both. 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 So... Jean had asked me to write on, she said, you really need to get into your anger. You really need to open that door and find out, write down what hate you're feeling inside. So this is what I wrote. I hate that you married me, used me for the kids, only cared about yourself. You were hard on our son. You wasted many, many years of my life. You didn't get to know yourself before you married me. You applied for the same job as our son. I hate that you're a narcissist. I hate you think 
all your actions are okay, and I hate that you take no ownership for the pain cast on us. So at that time, that's how I was feeling. So the next session you said, well, what do you think you need to do? I'm like, well, that's why I'm here. And you're like, <laughs> you're like you have to figure this out. Mm -hmm. You have to do the work. So I went home and I wrote, what do I need to do? I need to heal, heal, heal. I need to choose how I need to go on. I need to understand how I grew up and how some of these led to the bad choices I've made. I have to accept what I did the best, that I did the best I could in the marriage. I need to take ownership for only what I did. And I underlined only. I need to learn to move forward in peace. And when I came back and read this to you, you asked me, how do I feel? And I wrote, very shameful, foolish for not seeing the signs, and I feel very alone. Were there, were there signs that you didn't see? Well, I didn't think there were any signs, but I thought being a good, loving spouse, I probably should have seen signs. The only signs that I saw was, was this distance growing between us mm -hmm. and the depression, but the kids and I kept saying it was like a light switch the day his mother died. He became a completely different person to all of us. You know, you know, it's interesting. I think that in having worked with you and knowing you, be besides this part of your story of him being gay, there was a lot of other things going on within the relationship that I think you just sort of shouldered a lot of it. And therefore, I think when, when we do that, we we always work on what we can do different. And we never kind of look at, is, is this way I want to be treated? Besides that, you know, I think it's in looking back. Right. I always, saw more of the selfishness. Right. I put, I always put the kids and him way above me. I didn't even think that I should consider doing anything for myself. Yeah which means you can't really feel your own feelings of even knowing what you want for yourself. Right. Which is why you can't then identify that in another person. So I know that you talking about this is, you know, I've, I watched you very painfully begin to share this like one person or two people at a time. And that was about all you could do. Right. The, and it's still a big secret. That's the big Because he hasn't come out. No, he has not. And the main reason is, which is his father is very anti-gay. He's really anti-everything. But since my ex-husband is an only child and his father did quite well during his career and has a good inheritance he does not want to come out because he doesn't want to lose the money. Mm. It has nothing to do with, which just angers me because the children have not told their friends. I've told very few people because I don't want to be the one if it gets out into 
the community or if his father ever finds out. I don't want it to come back that I was the one. Mm -hmm. And so everybody is living a lie. Yeah. And it's a very difficult thing to share to begin with. Right. Very, very. I mean, I have told, you know, several people. And I think one of the things that have saved me, not only was the couple synergy, because you two were able to bring us to the point we needed to be. And then you actually helped us find a lawyer. We got divorced within like three months. It was amicable. And we just said, you, we took a legal pad and we cut it down the middle and we wrote down, you'd get this and I get this. And everything was, we had everything done for the lawyer. So it was completely, it was very, very easy. Mm -hmm. Although easy for the lawyer and certainly not for me. Right. The logistical pieces. The logistical pieces were very easy and people were shocked that, I mean, even my family to this day do not know. Wow. They don't know why you got divorced. No. And I didn't tell them we were getting divorced until like a week before it was going to be final. I'm one of six children, so I started with my mother, and I just called and said, "This, we are getting a divorce, I've been going through therapy, and I don't want to talk about it. And I said the same thing to all five siblings, and we don't talk about it. Wow. I have told my sister, the one who were a year apart, mm-hmm. I told her long after the fact because I didn't think she could handle it. Can you talk a little bit about your journey of how you got to those different milestones of being able to share it with a few people or, you know, easing some of that shame? Well, I think it was only my work with you. There's no other way I could have done it. I told my best friend who introduced us and she, I told her early on and she right away wanted to go confront him. She wanted to call. (laughs) She said, you need to call his father and let him know he does not deserve his inheritance. What a, you know, let it go to the kids. I mean, she's, but that's just who she is. Right. And I'm. Can't make those decisions for other people though. Right. And I'm just kind of quiet. And I just was like, "I, I can't do this because I was so shameful about it Mm -hmm. because I honestly felt I was so angry. I'm like, I would have rather it been another woman yeah, than to turn to a man. Why is that? I don't know. Mm -hmm. And I think it's because I kept saying during this whole time, this is so odd. This is so different. This isn't the norm of divorces that I knew about. And I didn't know very many divorced people either. Being an educator, I had been on the other side seeing relationships falling apart and what it does to children, Mm -hmm. young children. But I I really didn't know anybody divorced. And I, I... what are what are some of the responses that you got from the people that you did tell? That everybody was shocked mm-hmm. and they were angry for me. And they wanted to support me in any way they could, but 
Did no. that surprise you? No, but nobody knew how. Right. I mean, yeah. it was all so odd. And then every now and again, somebody would say, oh, you know, I think I heard about that. A friend of a friend of a friend mm-hmm. once told me. And I'm like, this is all so odd. But the thing that really saved me besides spending time with you, when the synergy portion stopped, you and I continued meeting. And then you had the divorce group Mm -hmm. where you had different women from your clients agree to come and meet and share their stories. Mm -hmm. So even though we all had totally different stories, we all had what was in common, the pain and anguish of going through a divorce. And and I made some very good friends through that group. And one day, just three of us came. And then, Jean, you had been called out. So the three of us just continued chatting. Yeah. And then they just really confronted me. And they said, Maureen, you are so angry. Why are you angry? And so it was through three of us talking, I really got to the root of, I just feel so alone. I feel so shameful. How did I not know this? Where do I go from here? You are taking responsibility. Right. Yeah. Right. For something that you shouldn't have, right? Or that you had no control of. Exactly. But I, in my life, I always, you know, I've was very straightforward. There mm-hmm. was always a cause and you fix it or mm-hmm. I just worked that way. I mean, I never would have in a hundred years thought that. Never. Right. So it, it was in being able to share this with other people that were compassionate and, you know, that right. that the shame decreased for you. Right. And the anger decreased as well. Right. And originally you said you'd never heard of anyone whose spouse came out, right? Have you now come across other people that have had that experience? I have. I did go on the internet and I found this one organization called Straight Spouse Network. And I started reading up on it and they had a book. So I thought, well, I'm not going to call anybody because I'm going to remain anonymous. (laughs) And so they sent me the book and I probably should have given it to you. I apologize, but I threw it out. I was reading these stories. I mean, I thought my story was bad and painful and it is for me and for my children But some of the things I read in there, I was like, oh, my God, I can't even read this because things were so much worse for so many other people, things that I couldn't even imagine, that it made me more hurt and suffer more pain. So I threw the book away. Wow. So, you know, I remember during this time, I would say to you, you know, there'll there'll be a day when you get enough emotional distance from this and it won't hurt as much and you may even be able to be in the same room with him. Correct. How are you doing with that? Well, it has been, it was just four years in January. Four. Wow. Right. Four years of the divorce being finalized. Correct. 
and we have very little contact. Although when we do, it's very cordial. If, you know, something comes up regarding one of the children, we, of course, you know, meet and talk about that. And I think the easy thing for our divorce was the kids were older. And so there was no sharing of children and figuring out weekends and holidays. Although holidays, I mean, we both try and be very gracious about holidays and splitting time or whatever. My big thing is I never wanted this for my kids, ever, ever. And he sometimes makes things difficult for them. And I'm, I try and say, I don't care what you do to me. At this point, you've done everything you could. Hurt me. Do not hurt those two children. For the longest time, he, in my eyes, was just a seed depositor. He was not their father. He abandoned them. You know, he's very narcissistic and living his life. He's living with another man, but he tells the children that to lie about it. Nothing in his life is honest. But we have met several times. We happen to be at a wedding together because our son's best friend got married and our son was the best man. And we ended up having a delightful time together. It was so easy to be together. And we laughed and we danced. I I can't remember the last time. It was, you know, years and years ago. Since you guys had fun mm. together. Yeah. yeah. It was like the friendship was rekindled. Right. Yeah. Right. And then my son just got engaged a couple weeks ago. Wow. Congrats. Yeah. Well, a- thank you. And what's interesting, I'm still very close with both the children, but my son is much, much closer to me than his father. And so he invited me to be a part of the uh, engagement celebration, which mm-hmm. was out of town, but did not include his father or his sister, which I, I feel bad about his sister. But yeah, things between father and son. I mean, I think my son tolerates him. I think he loves him because he's his father. But I don't think there's, you know, lots of deep connections Mm -hmm. there at all. So when I did come back after the celebration and we talked on the phone for a long time about them getting married and I said, oh, you better save your pennies. He said, oh, why? Is there a destination wedding? I said, well, they haven't really decided, but comments they've made because I spend a lot of time with them. Mm -hmm. Comments they've made over the years, you know, could be. I just know that, you know, if it is a destination wedding, it's family only, her family, and the three of us, meaning my daughter and him and myself. Mm -hmm. So he's like, oh, well, that would be great if it's destination. I said, well, if it is, and we easily talked on the phone for an hour and it was absolutely lovely. And so I said, well, if it is a destination wedding, then once, you know, after the wedding, you know, we can go our separate ways. And he said, oh no, why don't we take a vacation together? 
you and I and our daughter. How did that feel? I don't know. I was shocked. (laughs) So we have gotten to the point of being able to talk. I think he would love to have a a relationship with me in terms of a a friendship Mm -hmm. because he felt he was losing his best friend. And I was like, you don't want me? Right. You don't deserve my friendship. Mm -hmm. You chose your own way of life. You did not want to include the kids and I. You've made your bed. You lie in it. It's kind Mm -hmm. of how I've been. And how are you doing in your life now, four years later? And in reflection of how you see your marriage today and what your lifestyle is like today? Well, I feel great. I'm very happy. I'm very independent. Uh, I work when I want to work. I'm involved in different organizations. I have a very good relationship with both my kids. I do have some friends that are men, but I am not serious with anybody. And, you know, my biggest concern there is trust. Mm -hmm. I remember after going through the whole divorce, And afterwards, it's like, how can I ever trust again? Yeah. I mean, I gave this person everything. 20-some years of marriage, right? It was just under 25, but we had known each other for 27 years. So, you know. It's a long time. Right. So it's like, how do I do that all over again? And do I even really want to? Do you think you'd be happier if you hadn't gone through this and the marriage had stayed the way it was? No, because I started to realize near the end before this all came about that things were, I could feel discord. I didn't like the direction he was going in. He was becoming, as I said, dark and depressed, but he was also getting very much like his father, which, I mean, I love him as a father-in-law, but he's very opinionated and Mm. very so I think eventually we would have split so you have this great opportunity now to consider yourself in your life and take care of yourself right (laughs) which I never knew until you know meeting with you that I should be number one in my own life and I need to have self-care and self-love before I can give that to anybody else What advice would you give to a person who is maybe in your shoes going through this? The first thing I always say is get help. Go to therapy. You need good therapy. And I always give your name and number out. Um, (laughs) Because I feel, because people were amazed, like, During the whole divorce process, those that were close to me and knew what was going on, they were so amazed that I was so together Mm -hmm. and that I wasn't like a basket of nerves crying in the corner. I mean, I did do my fair share of crying and being upset, but because of the work I have done with the both of you, I just 
feel so strong. And mm-hmm. I was strong during that time, although I was taking baby steps. And I can't thank you enough for, because I feel it's what we went through together and how you steered me <laughs> into getting to know who I am mm-hmm. and what I like and listening to my own voice and becoming who I am today. So I'm very grateful. You're really welcome. (laughs) It's been awesome working with you and knowing you. Thank you. Mm -hmm. I appreciate that. It's a a very difficult struggle that you went through and a difficult struggle all around the entire family, everyone that went through this. And, you know, I think that your story is a very powerful one you know, for people out there that may be going through this as well. As you said, originally, when you're going through this, you didn't know anyone who had gone through the same experience. And now, you know, through that organization, uh, again, it was, what was it again? Straight Spouse Network. Straight Spouse Network. Okay. Since then, I have gone to some of their meetings. And as it turned out, I did call and I went to a meeting, so they had my email address. And then this one, interesting, it was January, which is when everything was finalized. I got this email from this person, and I recognized her name from being that from that organization because she had a very distinctive email address. And so she said, I'm wondering if you're the person I think you are. Well. Uh-huh. I, she said, I really go by the name Sue, but you probably know me as Susie. And she went on and on and on in her email. And all of a sudden I went, oh my God, I do know her. She is the daughter of one of the people I worked with for years and years and years. And so I did email back to her and I said, yes. I am the person you think you are, and I know who you are. And so I had known her story, but I did not know the gay part of her story. I knew when she got married. I knew when she had her baby that was born very early. And then I knew they got divorced. I never knew why. Mm -hmm. So she was hosting meetings. She said, why don't you come? I'm like, Okay, I'll come because you're there. (laughs) I wanted to support her. So when we have these meetings, if somebody new comes, we kind of all share our stories. And I realized early on that listening to these stories made me fall backwards and just go down a deep, dark hole and feel that pain and anguish. And so then I stepped away for a while, and then I try and come back. I mean, people rave about the groups, and they love it. I am just way too empathetic. But what I have noticed as of late, the group used to be all women, and now there's men coming in and joining the group. Interesting who are finding the same thing. So when they tell their story and they're in tears, I'm right there with them. <laughs> so I I come and go as I can emotionally handle it. Yeah. 
but it's a great group for people and they swear by it. It's really a wonderful thing that you're able to kind of talk about your story and, and give your perspective. As I said, I, I think it's going to be very helpful for a lot of people out there that are, you know, struggling in the same situation. And, and we really thank you for your courage, you yeah. know, in, in telling your story as well. You're very welcome. And I thank you as well. Marie, we want to thank you very much for being on the podcast today. This has been a, a really special treat for us. You know, human beings have been sharing their stories since the beginning of time to heal and grow and bond. And we hope by that you by sharing your story, it helps you heal and it enriches the lives of our listeners. For all of you listening, if you have any questions or topic suggestions, again, please feel free to leave a comment or look us up online at couplesynergy.com. Until next time, synergize your life, synergize your love. You have been listening to Couple Synergy with Dr. Ray and Jean Kedkodian. Couple Synergy was recorded, edited, and produced by Dr. Ray and Jean Kedkodian. Voiceover and music entitled Breathe and Let Go was recorded and composed by Gina Gonzalez.